It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a um, presidential edition <laughs> of, of the Monday check-in. My name is Damon Jensen-Heitman, one of the pastors, First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor of First Presbyterian Church. I was going to call this the ecumenical edition. Oh, that, yeah, that's probably better. Which we'll explain <laughs> further when we get into this. But uh, Because it is the day after President's Day, so President's is appropriate, but sure. uh, the content which we will be discussing is uh, about the most ecumenical content that exists in the world today. Sure. I'm yeah. making a broad claim there, but I actually think I'm, I don't think many would dispute that claim. Should we define what ecumenical means? <laughs> yes, I think you should. <laughs> um, ecumenical is uh, just a term that y- it's used to describe work between churches of different uh, denominations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a, it's a happy word in the Presbyterian world. Because Presbyterians uh, like to play well with others. Uh, sometimes we actually play well with others uh, better than we play well within our own sandbox, <laughs> so to speak. That's probably true. Um, yeah, it's, it is. It is. But uh, yeah, and so, um, but some some churches don't like that term ecumenical, but uh, we, we sure do as Presbyterians. And so, uh, but it, yeah, it's just, it's this idea of, of cooperating between churches. So every time we hold a service in the church, that includes like the Methodists or the Episcopalians or whatever, mm-hmm. that would be a, considered an ecumenical service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the presidentially ecumenical edition. <laughs> Fair enough. The Monday check-in. The Monday check-in, for those who don't know, is, um, is two things, essentially. One is a little mini Bible study where we take a look at the scripture or the themes that we're going to use for the upcoming worship service. And the other is a little bit of a sharing of what's going on in the life of the church at First Pres Hastings. So, and we usually will begin with a word of prayer. Uh, I think that it's my turn. I think so. To do the opening prayer. So, uh, let's pray. Loving and gracious God, thank you for drawing us all together. Thank you for drawing us into your spirit, into your presence. Uh, thank you for the gift of. Uh, wisdom that we have received, wisdom from Scripture and wisdom from all those who have come before us in faith. Uh, Help us to learn from these words and to use them to guide our lives. In your gracious and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this coming Sunday is will be the first Sunday in Lent. Yes, and we're doing something special in the season of Lent. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which is uh, a focused study on what we call the confessions or statements of faith that we have in the Presbyterian Church. Uh, we Presbyterians uh, have a, uh, a constitution that has two parts. One is called the Book of Order, and that's how we govern ourselves. It, it talks about how we do what we do and why we do it. Be excited about that. It's an exciting title for a book. Uh, it's an exciting book if you're really into polity and how churches govern themselves, mm-hmm. uh, which I actually am. So mm-hmm. uh, then the second half of our constitution as Presbyterians is what we call the Book of Confessions. And it's uh, a collection of confessions and statements of faith that the church has deemed are uh, foundational in how we both uh, understand 
and express and and live out our faith. And so um, we have this series of confessions that we ascribe to. Uh, we're not a confessional church in that we have to say we follow every single word of every single one of these things. But instead, we say that these these confessions speak to us both from the context in which they were written and are still speaking to us today. Um, and so uh, we thought it would be interesting. I was going to say fun. I'm not sure fun's the right word, but an interesting discipline during the season of Lent to study some of these confessions. And we're going to be doing it in three ways, actually. Uh, one, they will be read during worship and preached on. Uh, Two, they will be the basis for our Lenten devotional guide. And three, there will be an adult ed forum offered each Sunday that also studies these confessions a little bit more in depth. And so this is a really chance to take as deep of a dive as you want into the confessions. Um, And that's what we're going to be doing for the next six weeks. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to get to all of the confessions. There's more confessions in that book than there are Sundays in Lent. Correct. So, uh, but we're going to get to, well, six of them. <laughs> Five of them in the book, plus a bonus sixth one on Palm Sunday that we'll be sharing about mm-hmm. with you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yep. And I think there are a total, I've got the Book of Confessions. This is the study edition of the Book of Confessions right here that has some good information. But I was going to see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, there are ten confessions in the Book of Confessions. Uh, one was just added a few years ago called the Belhar Declaration, which we're, we're not going to get to in worship uh, or in the Lenten devotional guide. However, uh, if you attend the Adult Ed Forums, you will hear a word about the Belhar Confession. Dan has decided to teach on that on Palm sure. Sunday in lieu of the other confession. Sure. Makes sense. Seems reasonable. And we're starting with the oldest one. Uh, the Nicene Creed. Also the most ecumenical one, to use yes. that new vocabulary word we taught you at our intro. Um, this is the one confession that is shared by all churches in the world, including uh, what we call Eastern Orthodox churches. Uh, those would be churches like the Russian Orthodox Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, um, those Eastern religions, and if you've been in a big city, sometimes you see those churches. They typically have um, really interesting domes on top, um, and they worship uh, in a different style than we do. Um, and they, we, we Presbyterians still consider them Christians, but there's only one confession or statement of faith that we share with them, and then after that, um, it starts to divide. And so this particular confession or creed is shared by the, the Orthodox churches, by the Roman Catholic Church, and by Protestant churches. And so it is one that is shared um, by all branches of Christianity in the world, and it, it's unique in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Orthodox meaning uh, correct belief, right? Or, correct. Or right belief. Yep. And there was a split in the churches uh, early, way back in the history of Christianity. But when this particular creed was written... There was only one Christian church. There was not Orthodox and Catholic and Protestant. There was just church. But people in different parts of the world, their beliefs had already evolved. This one was written in uh, three, 325. 325 and then updated in 381. Yeah. Um, and, 
at that time, even 300 years into the existence of Christianity, um, there were already uh, differences of belief. And so what they would do is they'd come together from all the outposts and all the parts of the Christian world and hold councils where they would debate these differences of belief and then come up with a shared statement that they could all sign on. Mm -hmm. And so this was the uh, Council of Nicaea held in 325. And then there was an update to it that was held in Constantinople in 381. And so many of the Orthodox churches call this the Nicene-Constantinoplian Creed. Sure. They add the Constantinople part of that. Um, to mm-hmm. we, we just call it the Nicene Creed yeah. because it was written in the Council of Nicaea to resolve a controversy and to get everybody on the same page in terms of what their belief systems were. Yeah. Well, let's read the creed. All right. And, and we'll go from there. It's short, so we can get it all done here. Uh, the Nicene Creed reads like this. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic Church and apostolic, when one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Part of the creed. So for those of you who are listening, uh, some of you may have thought this sounds a little familiar. Yeah. Uh, because the Apostles' Creed, which is one that we adopted and is used by both Protestant and Catholic churches, uh, borrows heavily from this, but then this one also has uh, information in it or or lines in it that did not make their way into the Apostles' Creed, um, which actually represent some of the split between the Orthodox and the Catholic churches. But that's uh, neither here nor there today, or maybe it is. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. um, but this was seeking to resolve a controversy, uh, and so. There's language in here that gets at the core of that that we'll talk a little bit about. Yeah. And also to kind of go along with it, I have uh, from the opening of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light 
so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. And I'm just going to, I'm going to end there. Verse 14. So, um, so you yeah, can you can well you can see some parallels here, right? Uh, and so the opening lines of the Gospel of John were heavy inspiration for portions of this Nicene Creed. Yeah. So what was going on? Um, this controversy had developed by 325 A.D. about the nature of the Son of God. And this yeah. is a Trinitarian disagreement. It's kind of a question of. How monotheistic is this monotheism, really? Right. Is the is the is part of the essential question? It seems right. That was a big part of it, mm-hmm. um, and so trying to address that, um, Constantine, who was this Christian Roman emperor, called together the council in Nicaea so they could debate this, and they did sit around and debated it, and debated it, and debated it, and they ended up uh, eventually writing this Nicene Creed, but it was. Um, the question is, is the Son of God a creature, uh, a creation like everything else made by God, or is the Son of God God, eternal, divine, and uncreated? And these councils, this is, many councils met and made statements of faith, and this controversy raged. And so Constantine said, we gotta, we got to fix this. we got to resolve this. Let's, let's get this sorted out. Yeah, and Constantine may have had a couple of... of motivations um, some things that I've read kind of indicate that Constantine also maybe saw Christianity as a way of trying to unite the the Roman Empire yep. and it would be difficult for it to do so if itself was split in half or split not necessarily in half but apart Had by this theological yes. debate uh, and controversy and so um, so part of it because it's a little strange to have the emperor like organizing a religious summit. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. And so, yeah, and that, that is uh, a very secular reason for the calling of the Council of Nicaea. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good news is that uh, God works through even those secular, sometimes power-grabbing reasons. Uh, and so the end result of that council was the creation of this creed, which did bring... Uh, some clarity and some shared belief together, so everyone could, uh, um, yeah, could could move forward in their in their belief. Yeah. Of course, it didn't stick because then you had the split of the Eastern Orthodox Church, and then you had the split between the Catholics and the Protestants. But at this point, uh, but that 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 this stuck, this held for like seven hundred years. Right. The Eastern split was not until I think one thousand something. Mm-hmm. Um, so by doing this, this was able to hold the church together for uh, for seven hundred years, which is not not a small thing. Yeah, and continues to be a foundational document, right? And, and this continues to be 
this forms the basis of, you know, uh, uh, the more contemporary creeds and statements of faith are, are built off of this. It continues to be a, a, a teaching tool mm-hmm. for churches, um, for new members, um, old members, anybody. But the, but you, the, the issue at hand, you can tell what the issue at hand was. It comes through in the writing. Yeah, right? and, and, and fully a third, of, not a third, but at least a quarter of it is devoted to trying to resolve this with this language. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to, I can't, I don't think we can overstate the importance of this creed in, in the development of Christianity and also in the, the, the sustained nature of, of being able to cooperate ecumenically, right? Yeah. The one the, the thing yeah. that we share with Orthodox churches is the Nicene Creed and, and Holy Scriptures, the Bible. Um, there's not a lot else that we share. If, if an average Presbyterian walked into an Eastern Orthodox church, they'd be pretty disoriented. Yes. Uh, but the reading of Scripture and the reciting of this creed would be familiar. Mm-hmm. That would be the only two familiar things. <laughs> if you And I've attended Orthodox services. And some of the work that I've done in the Middle East, the Orthodox Church still has uh, a much more significant presence in the Middle East. And so um, I've attended uh, Syrian Orthodox churches when I was visiting Syria. I've attended Orthodox churches in Lebanon. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a very different experience worshiping. Uh, but ultimately, we share the same scriptures and we share this foundation of the Nicene Creed. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to me that one of the results of this creed is um, is a continued sense of unity amongst churches. Yeah, because the creed puts a big emphasis on essentially the unity of the divine. Right. Right. We get uh, we get a, a you know a couple of phrases describing God. We get like six phrases describing the relationship between God and Jesus, which is a which is a relationship of unity, <laughs> right? And then the mm-hmm. the section on the Holy Spirit doubles down on that. That was the part that was added in three eighty one. Actually, is that last portion? Uh, but yeah, Damon, that's a really good point, and one that I'll probably make in my sermon on Sunday. That the purpose of this statement was unity, yeah. but it acknowledges the unity of God in the, in the Godhead, in the Trinity, and it acknowledges, uh, and, and it still exists as a source of unity for the Christian church in the world. So yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Every once in a while. So the, Cheers. the controversy that we got to is, is about the nature of Jesus. And so, as I said, almost like a third of this, or at least a quarter so we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then let's give you all. Let's give you several examples. Uh huh. <laughs> Here we go. The only Son of God, mm-hmm. eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Yeah. Through Him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. Yeah. He came down from heaven, was incarnated of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became. Truly human. So that whole section seeks to resolve this conflict that existed in the church. That that, that all those words are devoted to trying to address that conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the one and one of the well, they're all key phrases, but um, perhaps the most key phrase. I don't know if that's whatever. Of one being with the Father, uh, and that 
in Greek, the word is uh, homoousioi. Yes. Uh, which can also be translated of, of one substance. The same substance. Yeah, and the, the homoousioi in Greek, and then it's homoousios, and it almost sounds like like this primordial ooze, right? Mm. Homo ooseos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but it's the point is that God and Jesus Christ are of the same substance, same. of the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say material because it's not necessarily a material world thing, but it's important. It was important for them to resolve this controversy by naming the nature and substance of God and Jesus as the same thing. That unity that you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that they are of the the sameness. Um, so one did not create the other. Uh, so they are they are equally divine. Yeah, right. Um, which seems to me to have been drawn largely from from the Gospel of John. Right, and that's a, probably from other places as well. But right, um, because. This concept of Jesus gets associated with concepts, concept of the word or the logos. Right. Um, and then in John, we have this assertion that in the beginning was the word, was the logos, was Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Or this divineness that would become incarnate in Jesus. Yes. We would know it through Jesus. Yep. And the word was with God, and the word was God. So John's already parsing this out. When yes. John sits down and writes his introduction to the Gospel of John, mm-hmm. uh, which we believe was somewhere around 80 or 90 AD, like after Jesus's... I thought it was even later. I thought it was like 120-something. Oh. But You and I are reading different biblical scholars, perhaps. No. But bottom line is, a generation after Jesus has walked the earth, John is sitting down to write the account of Jesus' life, but he begins in a very different way than the birth narratives that we read in Matthew and Luke. But he begins with, in the beginning. So he he doesn't start with, Jesus is born to Mary. He says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. And so the idea is that Jesus is this creative force of God. Yeah. Right? Or mm-hmm. co-creative force of God if we get into Trinitarian stuff. Mm-hmm. And what came into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. So it's a good scripture to pair with the Nicene Creed because it gets at the heart of what the Nicene Creed was trying to address. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and part of it also, really, there was also um, was a modalism mm-hmm. floating around. Yes. At the time, uh, and modalism was the this sort of uh, belief that you had these, you had God, you had Jesus, you had the Holy Spirit, and that the divine being, those were different modes of the divine being, and the divine being would, would switch between them at right. any time, but wasn't all three of them at the same time. Right, and that was considered a heresy. Yes. <laughs> that was heretical. You couldn't say that. Right. Because God is all parts of the Godhead, all parts of the Trinity, all the time. Mm-hmm. And so this modalism uh, was a heresy that was named at the Council of Nicaea, 
um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the <laughs> the myth of the Council of Nicaea goes that there were actually punches thrown. Oh. Um, that the, it got so heated mm-hmm. that it wasn't just a, a polite civil debate, but but that punches might have been thrown. Yeah, I think that is worth whether or not that is actually true or not. Right. Um, I think it is worth remembering. And think and considering, and this I think for all of these confessions and statements of faith yes. that we're gonna take a look at, how passionate and how serious and how dire people felt the need for these things. The clarity was. on this was yes, mm-hmm. and that you know, and so you know, if a person read the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. These things were both in existence at the same time. Yeah. Right. This this is not this is not water changing from ice from solid to liquid to gas. Right. Right. Which is this thing is the modalist heresy. Right. When we try to we, we try to describe the Trinity, it's not an easy thing to describe. Uh, and so sometimes people try to use metaphors, and yeah, that's that's one of those metaphors that gets used, and this seeks to course correct that metaphor, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah I, I was remembering uh, it's Saint Nicholas, uh, mm. of of whom is fashioned jolly old Saint Nick or Santa Claus, uh, was a bishop who attended the first Council of Nicaea. And uh, he was a, another controversy or heresy was Arianism, which I can't fully describe. You did a nice job describing modalism. (laughs) Uh, But Nicholas was a Trinitarian, and he's one of the bishops who signed the Nicene Creed. But it's the the urban legend or the myth is that he got so heated in his debate that he actually punched someone during the Council of Nicaea, who was stating the Arian heresy. Yeah. Well, Arianism is essentially what you were describing earlier, the belief that Jesus was a lesser divine, right. a divine creature of a lesser status. Right. That God created, created Jesus, mm-hmm. not that Jesus coexisted with God at the beginning of, of right. yeah. the universe. Yeah, so that they weren't, which is where that of the same substance thing comes in. Correct. Right. It's really not, it's not, they're not. One was not created by the other. They yeah. There. Yeah, and, and I don't think there's going to be time in the sermon, but then getting into the uh, the Second Ecumenical Council in Constantinople in 381 to resolve how the Holy Spirit interrelates with all of that. Right. And there's another Greek word, filioque, that has something to do with that. Okay. And uh, anyways, but we uh, I, there's probably enough material here for a Sunday sermon and for a forum and for uh, Monday check-in mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. yeah. What I think is also interesting about these, um, one of my religion professors at somewhere along the way, I forget who it, I wish I could remember who it was. Essentially, <laughs> they said, uh, all the good heresies never really go away. <laughs> right. uh, yes. So, like, folks are still talking about this and having this conversation of what, okay, what exactly is the relationship between these three entities that are one entity? Yeah. And how do we 
make sense of that? And wouldn't it be easier if they just, oh, it's just the one thing and it shifts and it changes? Yeah. Wouldn't that be easier right. <laughs> to think about it that way? Um, so, so to think that there may not be time in one sermon to go over all of this makes sense. Thank you. Because there hasn't really been time in, I mean, this was almost 2,000 years ago that this creed was written. And it's still, and we're we're still talking about it today. Yeah. And and I I will. Begotten, not made. What exactly does that that mean? Yeah. Yeah. So um, a few hundred years later, we had a fellow by the name of St. Augustine who wrote um, uh, this series called The Confessions. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's this interesting, it's a didactic form of teaching. So St. Augustine poses a question, yeah, answers it, mm-hmm. debates his own answer, and resolves it. <laughs> and he walks through, and he does that with all of these different theological points. And um, it's, it's actually very interesting reading if you're really into theology. And, and, and the style allows for, you almost feel an interaction between a student and teacher, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. But uh, he gets to the Trinity. <laughs> yeah. And he says, what, you know, what is the Trinity? And he answers it. And then he counterpoints his answer. And his conclusion is, the Trinity is a divine mystery we cannot fully explain. <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> and once I read Augustine's Confessions and saw that Augustine resolved the answer of what is the Trinity with the Trinity is a divine mystery we cannot fully explain, I thought, mm-hmm. okay. If if this yeah. if this father of the church came to that conclusion after all of his study, um, then I'm going to feel at peace with that same answer that the Trinity is a divine mystery we cannot fully explain, and that's okay. Yeah, it's interesting because that sentiment connects with a part of the Scots Confession that I want to talk about for next week. Um, so that's a little little teaser. Love uh, it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Next week. So, uh, you think this will preach? I, I think it'll preach. Um, I think uh, if you show up to church on Sunday, you will be reciting the Nicene Creed. It'll probably be after my sermon. That will be our affirmation of faith. We'll, we'll yeah. recite the Nicene Creed. Um, and you'll hear a little bit more about it. Uh, perhaps some insight into it. Uh, perhaps I will recount the telling of St. Nicholas punching somebody in the face for the Arian heresy, although I don't condone violence at all. Uh, but... Uh, it is interesting to know how heated those debates might have become. Yeah. And it's also funny to think of jolly old St. Nick as being a bishop in the Council of Nicaea, <laughs> yeah. getting upset over the heresy of Arianism. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't come up on the, on the Hallmark versions, does it? Not so much. The other, and this is, I, I do want to transition us to announcements. But the other thing that I was thinking while I was reading this was... Um, all of the things. You can also kind of tell that this is an early document of the church because of all the things that aren't in it. Like there's nothing in here about what a church is mm-hmm. and what its purpose in the world is or, or even what the purpose of a, of a particular believer is in the world. Right. right? It, this is just, this is Trinity and there's a few kind of basic you know, we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic and apostolic church. church. We believe in one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. That's really 
it. That's the um, extent of our sacramental <clears throat> theology in here, right? Yeah. Our ecclesiology and our sacramental theology are covered in one yeah. line each. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so those things get developed late in later creeds and right. in later confessions and in later, um, I mean, there's two or three different catechisms in there as well. But yeah, it just kind of, oh yeah, there's a lot that's not in here because those weren't really pressing questions at the time. And what you'll discover is that the the further we get in church history, the longer the confessions or creeds get because they feel like they have to address each of these intricate details. Whereas back at the Council of Nicaea, they had to resolve this one conflict about right. the homoousios, about the substance of Jesus Christ. And that was, uh, that was they resolved that. And then the rest of it is just these one-liners that, uh, that still sustain us today as the mm-hmm. church, which is a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like if you went back and read like the first rule book or the first set of rules for basketball. Mm-hmm. And then like you tried to read the rule book for the NBA now. It's just a crazy amount of, you know, just because yes. as things develop, yep. thoughts and ideas and interpretations and perceptions stack on top of one another. And um, yeah, and it just more questions come up the more time you have to think about something and practice, yeah. um, practice something. So uh, should we switch gears? Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about what's happened in the life right. of our church. And so... Um, as we mentioned, Lent starts this week, uh, and so we always start the season of Lent with an Ash Wednesday service, and so that will be this this Wednesday, February 22nd, here in our sanctuary. Uh, we've got our choir lined up to sing, as well as our handbell choir is lined up to uh, ring, and uh, I think it's going to be a really meaningful service. We, we will do the imposition of ashes, uh, where we smear ashes on your forehead, if that's something you want to do. Uh, that's not required when you come to an Ash Wednesday service, but uh, it's just a reminder of um, our own mortality and our own need for uh, grace. Uh, and so that begins the season of Lent, uh, which will continue then for six weeks until we get to uh, to Palm Sunday and Holy Week. Um, so we hope you can join us for Ash Wednesday service tomorrow night, uh, February 22nd at 7 p.m. in the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always a lovely service. And in my estimation, like one of the most important services that we have yeah. and do. Um, and then things on, on Sunday kind of continue as usual. Have the 8.30 service um, in the, the chapel, the contemplative service. Have the 10.30 service in the sanctuary. And, and uh, for Adult Ed for Forum, this coming Sunday, uh, Dan Deffenbaugh, Dr. Dan Deffenbaugh, our scholar in residence, uh, will be starting a forum series. Um, As Greg mentioned earlier, taking a look at the Confessions of the Church. We've titled it, We Believe Confessions of the Church. Uh, Earlier it was titled, Doctrinal Confessions, or something like that, but now... Announce we believe. All right. <laughs> um, our children's and youth programming uh, continues as normal during the season of Lent. So we'll have uh, Wednesday Night Live on Wednesday. That ends at 645. So those families that would wish to attend the Ash Wednesday service can roll right into that. Um, and then our Sunday school programming is, is as normal at the 915 hour. And then youth group is on Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 
think we've covered it all. That's it, I think. Yeah. Can I close with a word of prayer? Yes, please. Let's, uh, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the saints who have come before us. Uh, going all the way back to 325 AD in the Council of Nicaea, we thank you for the words of wisdom that were uttered there, for the debates that were held, for the conversations that were had, and for the resolution that came out of that in this Nicene Creed, which still speaks to us today. We ask that you bless and guide our study of, of this creed and the creeds and confessions that we will be studying over the next six weeks. May we reflect on how those connect to your holy word and also reflect on how they connect to our lives as Christians and how we live them. We thank you for this opportunity to do that, uh, to study the, all of that together. We ask uh, that you continue to be with us, God, as we enter this season of Lent. May we have hearts that are full of repentance and confession uh, as we recognize our need for your grace and prepare uh, ultimately to celebrate once again Christ's death and resurrection on Easter Sunday. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well then, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.